welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Welcome to another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. It's another bonus episode this week, so it doesn't have a number. It can be like bonus episode number four, I think, if you need it to have a number. Um, But there's a couple of particular reasons why it's a bonus episode. And one is because it's very different to what I'm usually putting out. And it didn't seem to just, it didn't feel like it fitted in the normal Monday release slot. And two is because I didn't want to wait to put it out. I only recorded this like six days ago or something. And it just, I couldn't sit on it. I'm so excited about it. I just needed to get it out straight away. Um, But basically, there's a a space local to me called the Bloom Building, which is described as a progressive and unique concept that's rewriting the rules around how the worlds of culture, community, social action and mental health can flourish together. And Bloom is the most like incredible space. It's like this big luminous coloured building um, and inside yeah it's you have to kind of see it to believe it really so yeah go and have a look at the website and have a look at some of the pictures um because it really is an impressive space but within the walls of bloom there's all these different organizations that are all focused on different aspects of mental well-being and culture and community and art and creativity and all this different sort of stuff and it's just um it's a really inspiring thing what's going on there and I've called this episode the future of mental health support because it kind of has that feel to it that's how I think of the future of mental health support anyway because we know that the current system is is flawed in a lot of ways and we know that it's struggling under the under the pressure under the sheer amount the numbers you know the amount of people that need that need help and um, yeah the system is flawed you know and I, I I'm not criticizing anyone who's working within that system because they're doing an incredible job and the NHS is incredible but the fact of the matter is aspects of the system are a little outdated and there's certainly not enough money in it but you know what can we do right it's so easy to just sit around blaming the government and moaning about the government and moaning about money but that's there's there's got to be other things because even if we get all that money we (laughs) even if mental health support is given all that money um who's to say what it will be spent on if the system's flawed you know i personally feel like we're over reliant on medication and um, i'm not anti-meds at all i'm very open about the fact that i'm currently on medication that helps me with my mental health and it is something i've explored on another episode of the podcast but um we are in some extent to some extent overly reliant on meds and you know there's therapy available but you don't get a lot of it and you have to wait a long time to get it and stuff like that um you know the open door charity i took this gets talked about a little bit on the podcast but they're um there's they have no waiting times at bloom the open door charity right so if you're a member and it's free to be a member if you're struggling and you need to access their support, you can do it straight away and you get paired with a, a mentor and you get an eight-week block of uh, of mentorship where you get to look at all these different things that help you look after your head. 
you know, and that's just incredible because it's not just saying, right, here's your pills, here's your therapy. It's saying, right, okay, here's someone who is going to guide you through this and who you can form a bond with and a relationship with. And here's a safe space to talk. And here's all these tools that we're going to give you that you can take away with you into the future. And it's just brilliant. And all the different organizations that work in Bloom, they all kind of overlap. They all support each other. They all refer to each other. They all help each other. And I really do think that mental health support has to be collaborative. You know, it has to be. Different people can do different things. And just because you're doing one thing that's good for your mental health doesn't mean that you can't do other things as well. You know, just because you're on an 18-month waiting list for therapy doesn't mean you have to sit and wait. You know, you can do other things. The other thing I really liked about it is because it kind of, it takes, what these guys are all doing collaboratively is taking things almost back to basics. So we know that stuff like getting out in nature and exercising and a healthy diet, we know all that stuff is is good for mental health. But when people are really, really struggling, when I was really poorly, if you'd have said to me, I oh, just need to go to the gym, I'm like, you know, I couldn't, I could barely make it out my front door. You know, the, the idea of going for a run was too big. The idea of getting out of nature was just, it was too big. And so we throw these things around as if they're going to solve all the problems. And although they, yeah, they certainly can help, but they, yeah, it's, sometimes it's not as easy as we, as we say that it is. And what I really liked about some of the things that are going on under the, under the roof at Bloom is that it's dialing things back all the way back and giving people like smaller steps and skills and you know there's you see on all the websites of all these organizations the word empowerment you know teaching people rather than just throwing out these cliched things about you know going to the gym for your mental health it's like teaching people skills and they're looking at education they're giving people tools they're giving people uh, confidence to use those tools to help other people rather than just constantly relying on the same old stretched services. And it's just brilliant. And that's why, to me, it feels like the future of of mental health. And of course, there are all other factors and there's loads of other people doing amazing things that, you know, that could be brought into this as well. It's just, um, yeah, it's just a lot of food for thought. And it left me feeling very inspired, really inspired for the future, inspired to try and do a bit more and get my hands dirty, you know, rather than just talk about things on a podcast. And maybe it'll do the same. Maybe it'll do the same for you. Um, Obviously, it's local to me, but it just goes to show what's possible. Right. And there might be something like this near you and there might not. And um, if there isn't, you know, maybe you could if you're listening to this and you can hold that space, maybe you could be the person to to start it. Um. So yeah, I went down to Bloom, I put my microphone on the centre of the table and I just pressed record and off we went. And I've not edited anything, I've not changed anything, I've not polished anything. So you're going to hear this conversation exactly as we had it. Um, Bloom is a, there's a coffee shop there as well. And in the background, you can hear the coffee machine a little bit. You can hear cups knocking together, uh, voices, a bit of music. Someone drops a phone a couple of times or knocks a bottle. Um, and I really like that. I really like that that comes across in the episode. So yeah, it's just a bit, I suppose, unusual in that way. But like I say, it's a real conversation and I wanted you to experience that and, and feel that conversation as well to get the the impact from it rather than have some like really like polished and shiny thing because you know there's enough of that out there already um i'm gonna put all the uh, web addresses and social handles in the episode notes rather than read them all out now because i've talked far too much already so go and check these guys out go and give them a follow see what they're all about because um yeah it's really exciting it's it's just really good. It's just really, really positive and it makes me feel hopeful. Um, I'd love to hear what you think about this. I'd love to hear what you think about 
everything really so get in touch at proper mental podcast on all social media www.propermentalpodcast.com you can send me an email through there and if you would like to review this episode please do give me a review man leave me five stars say some nice things um and yeah that's everything that is everything you need to know so this is a bonus episode of the proper mental podcast down at the bloom building thank you very much for listening it's the future of mental health support enjoy Today we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast, and it's a quite a special uh, podcast today. And I think it's special partly because we've got so many of us, and we've managed to align our diaries for one time and one spot, which I think is an impressive feat in itself. But it's also special because we're in person, and um, we've got a lot of people here from a lot of different organisations, and we're going to have a chat about about what everyone does and about mental health and mental well-being and mental illness and how we can kind of maybe look at things differently and uh, in come at these things from a different approach. So I think, I know it's a little bit cringy, but let's go around the table and I'm going to get everyone just to kind of say hello and introduce themselves and just tell me a little bit about what it is you do here in the Bloom Building and um, and then we'll kind of go from there. So can we start start with you, Dave? Yeah, yeah. So I'm Dave. Uh, I run Scene Graph Studios. And in short, we do virtual reality experiences and working at Bloom, we're basically getting into the element of using VR for mental health, well-being, mindfulness and everything in between. And it's good just working with so many good and talented people like everyone here. Uh, yeah, just to get into this space. And that's us in a nutshell. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's that's awesome. If we keep keep moving around. Keep moving, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm Ella and um, I work for Open Door. My, my role predominantly is, is insight leads. So basically that means uh, capturing all the good stuff we're doing, feeding that back into management, um, making sure that everything's on track, looking at trends. Um, but then of course I get the beautiful job of looking at all the good stuff we're doing, all the case studies, reduction rates, everything like that. So um, yeah, it's an honour to work for Charity. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And uh, what about, about yourselves? Are you both from Be Well, is that right? Yeah. yeah. So my name's Charlotte, I'm the Operations and Communications Manager at Be Well Learning, um, which means I do all things operational, so coordinating the training and um, qualifications that we deliver um, and liaising with our clients and stakeholders. Um, I've been with the company since December, feels like I've been here forever. Um, yeah, it's an absolute honour to work in mental health. My background's with learning disabilities and that's something that we also touch on with the training that we do. And our mission really is to support organisations and to help them understand and support their workforces and a wide, with a right, wide range of disabilities, including mental health issues. And sat next to me is Kaylee, and Kaylee is our learning and development administrator. Hi. <laughs> Rachel, over to you, mate. Hi, I'm Rachel Daly, uh, founder and director of the Positivity. We are a peer-to-peer support um, social enterprise based at Bloom Building. Um, we offer our support both online and in person, um, and that's a, a range of, of things like movement classes. Um, we also have a podcast series as well. Um, we do some targeted creative therapy in partnership with uh, Open Door, mindfulness programs, as well as social. Mm. Um, events and things to reduce social isolation. 
Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. And I'm Nikki Parry, so I'm one of the co-founders of Be Well Learning and uh, a director for them, as well as a trainer. And just following on from what Charlotte was saying about what we aim to do is very much about promoting positive well-being and using a lot of our education platforms and programmes to develop people to have skills in that early intervention and stages when all aspects of health, from physical health across to mental health, considering crisis like suicide, how do how our, our aim is to really get across to the general public as well as employers so that they're skilled to have the confidence to be able to engage with people during those initial, perhaps when those initial signs of illness is starting to develop. And how can the general public, not necessarily from a health background, gain the confidence to be able to make those observations, see those signs and make that approach. Um, so we um, provide mental health first aid training courses as well as suicide first aid intervention courses. And we also do physical first aid training as well. So. Oh, super. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, last but not least, gentlemen. Yeah, so I'm Andy. I'm um, co-founder and director of Convenience Gallery. We're a community contemporary arts gallery and we create like participatory opportunities to get involved with with arts and culture, um, but also um, like mental health and wellbeing in collaboration with the Open Door Charity. That's through like a number of things, including exhibitions, workshops, talks, and other projects. Um, and I am also the design lead with the Open Door Charity as well. I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Ryan, I'm the co-director of Convenience with Andy, but sort of like Andy's just said it all really, so uh, yeah, we do, we do what he just said. Um, and I'm also uh, the culture lead um, for the Blue as well, which is uh, facing events, workshops, um, and sort of that kind of bringing the community in here for a range of different things, essentially. Oh, fantastic. Oh, nice one. Well, thank you very much, everyone. That, I kind of think, you know, that's the, the weird formal bit out the way now, and we can just kind of crack on with having, <laughs> having, a, having a chat. But Ella, can we start with you and just chat a little bit about the, the Open Door Charity? Yeah, of course. So um, our mission, our motto is to shape change in mental health. Um, we've been running for this our 10 year anniversary. What we're doing is, is magic, really, I feel. And, you know, using music, arts, culture to, as the catalyst for change. Um, we've helped from the gallery, we've helped from Blue. Um, we're providing therapeutic support for 15 to 30 year olds, predominantly, as our core offer bazaar. But also, also we offer um, family support through our programme Colours, um, we offer looked after children um, support through Boomoo, so we've got a wide variety of stuff going on, um, you know it's a whole umbrella of support for, for people and we're on the Merseyside and not just that, we're kind of going um, national with Bazaar, taking it to universities and through driven employers to kind of, you know, take something to, to these places that, that isn't there. Yeah, sure. And it's predominantly at the moment like young people, isn't it, that you guys are, are working yeah, with? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So so our offer, our core offer is 15 to 30 year olds, and that's through our bespoke um, offer called Bazaar, which is an eight week intervention. Um, so they'll come to Blue um, or Blossom House um, and be paired with a mentor and just have 
basically just chatting to a friend. It's totally non-clinical, most like welcoming environment. So um, yeah, and it's great success. Our feedback is is brilliant. Yeah, I, lo I love the idea of like pairing people with mentors. And yeah, you know, I mean, for yeah. a start, the fact that it's like eight weeks is brilliant because like yeah. quite often people get referred to services and you're, you're lucky if you get two sessions, right? And so yeah. for like an eight week period, I yeah. think it's fantastic. And the whole, um, yeah, the mentorship idea, I think that is huge. Just having someone that you can really like connect with over yeah. that time and really, really talk to, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and the fact that it's free yeah. and immediate is like unheard of. You know, the waiting list comes at the moment is two years. So, you know, we're really kind of, trying to like I said shape change in that but it's it doesn't have to be two years it can be immediate through this kind of really creative way it doesn't have to be clinical it doesn't have to be white walls it can be through the blue and through kind of like this space that's that's you know what we think is like the most destigmatizing thing that people need yeah sure <laughs> I think like yeah that the idea that mental health help and support does need to need, be really like stale and white and yeah. you know strip lighting and very yeah. official and stuff like that that's just a myth right that doesn't need to to be the case and it's so important to have that vibrancy and that um you know that a different space a relaxing space where people can yeah. kind of come to yeah it is but unfortunately it's it's still considered the way um and you know we're, we're really trying to pave pave the path for change and yeah you, you know you walk into this building and be like Oh, it's an exhibition space. It's a it's a music venue, but what's that behind there? What goes on? And it's you know, mental health support. And it's as easy as getting a cup of coffee. So, so it should yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. And do you find like with the the I suppose in that you mentioned like the year that you've been on on board, even yes. in that time, because obviously yeah. the, within that year, it's been like the crazy pandemic element yeah, as well. Yeah. Are you kind of seeing because? like stats going through the roof you see more people trying to access the support and stuff like that yeah um you know in the last last year we've seen an increase of 50 percent in our in our um members coming through the door and that's that's growing week on week um you know we haven't got it's almost like we want more and more space to support you know more and more people because there's a conversation going on about mental health now especially you know in the media and I've even noticed that the Olympics and things like that, and tennis and sport, the right places are, are talking about it. And um, yeah, absolutely, we're we're seeing a massive, massive increase. Yeah, but it has to be. It's great that everyone's talking, but there has to be something in place where people can actually do something about it. Like exactly, all yeah, awareness yeah. is great, yeah, but, but they're not you just know, on a waiting list. Yeah, people are aware now, right? Like we're all pretty aware. Yeah, so now yeah. what happens? And everyone's yeah. still sick, but just aware that they're sick. You yeah. Know? So it's like it's yeah. you know to have that that space particularly for young people as well I always think like I was trying to think think back to when I was a young person but um I do think with a, a lot of young people so much mental health stuff is like societal you know so much is stuff that's going on around social media yeah, yeah yeah all that sort of stuff but from like a really really young age we almost like tell our kids that their emotions and feelings aren't valid right so like when the kids um, like crying because they don't want to go to like yeah. my son will get, get upset when he doesn't want to go to holiday club and it'd be very yeah. very easy for me to say like nah you'll be fine you know so yeah. like straight away from that age yeah. we, we tell children that their emotions aren't valid yeah. and you know and they don't feel seen and don't feel heard and then they turn into teenagers that have to live in this really challenging world but they've or they've been told for such a long time that their opinion doesn't really mm -hmm. doesn't really matter and their um, emotions don't count so yeah. 
to have somewhere where they can come and open up is just must be must be vital. You must see some like big changes in people from the first time they walk walk through the door. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a couple of people you know stick in my mind that they could walk through the door and they can't you know can't look them in the eye and they come out of the session and can't stop smiling. That literally happened the other day and it's it, I can't take the smile off my face that that's what we're doing and we're supporting them and. It's life changing. We're saving, you know, we're saving lives ultimately. Yeah, hundred percent. And is it predominantly the sessions? Is it like talking therapy based, or is it just? Uh... Uh, yeah, yeah. So basically, it's it's talking therapies, and the the mentor will lead uh, the member through through the program bazaar. So they'll have little exercises, little tasks, and mindfulness, and then a mood journal to do in between the weeks. So they're constantly kind of thinking, thinking about the exercises, uh, doing the exercises. So it becomes habit. And those kind of like negative thinking patterns are replaced with positive. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose like once you have those tools, you've got them forever, right? So if you that's it. Yeah. That's the that's the plan, and the, the, the journals that they that they use are they can take home with them and, and look back on them, and that, that's the plan. Yeah. So you know, to never you know the plan is that they don't need support again. Yeah. Um, but they access DJ workshops, exhibitions, and that's kind of that ongoing well-being journey. Yeah, definitely. Because there's got to be a lot of, um, particularly when we look at mental health, as in when we start to get a bit older, you know, the cl- particularly for men, the classic statistic, like men up to 35 and 45 yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um, such a big factor in that, and I think we'll talk about that a lot today, is like creative outlets or things, stuff to do, right? Stuff that's not just life stuff, that's not just the supermarket work and going home, or for kids exactly. like school and study and going home and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, DJ workshops and yeah. stuff like that, that's that's vital, right? That's yeah, really, really important. absolutely. And we, we, we offer as well uh, like a community membership, so you don't have to be accessing mental health support. You can kind of just come to yoga, you can come to boxing, you can come to any of the classes. So that's kind of, that's well-being as well. It's, you know, self-care. It's, and then, you know, the idea is that they kind of come to the building and think, you know, what is going on here? And I fancy accessing Bazaar or or colours or, you know, whatever they need. Yeah, definitely. And how is it, because um, obviously it's a charity, do you have to do yeah. a lot of, like, fundraising? Is that the predominantly where, how it's how it's funded? Uh, yeah, fundraising, uh, grants, commissions, um, a lot of collaborations with the council and things like that, so. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic that all those things can can happen in that in that way and in that. Yeah, in that it's, it's it's really it's really great that it's you know it's working collaboratively across systems. It's not you know I'm not working with you you know kind of thing. The council are open to collaborate, which is which is great because you know in in past times they're you know known for their archaic ways of working, but not on Wirral as it seems. Um, very open to change, mm. which is great. Yeah, that's you know that makes me feel like quite hopeful, really. You know that's that it, yeah. it's, it sounds kind of like the future, or at least the future of mental health support, like where we need to go with this sort of stuff to really uh, get a exactly. grip on it, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, ultimately, everywhere should have um, open door centres, you know, and you know, not that that's the, the goal to take it, you know, nationwide or whatever, but. Like you said, it's it should be like this. It should be this easy, yeah. and you know we're getting there on Wirral. That's that's for sure. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, well, that's awesome, mate. D- Dave, can we jump over to you, mate? Because I'd love to chat about um, 
some of the things that you're doing in this space as well. Sure, yeah. So uh, in short, like we came to the Bloom Building, so we are tenants in Bloom Building at Seagraph Studios. And at the minute there's only, well, there's three of us now because we're just uh, taking on a new fella through the Kickstart scheme, which is awesome. I'm working with Will Chamber and again the council to get new people in. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a breeze, as I said. But yeah, what we're doing are kind of new direction because we've been working with many well, loads of clients uh, to build VR experiences, but more for business. But just getting involved with the Open Door Centre, Bloom, and everyone here, it's kind of a scene. Okay, we can use our skills in you know programming, computer developments, uh, virtual reality, and augmented reality development that we can actually use them to build up virtual reality experiences to try and tackle not just mental health because uh, it's such a it's such a wide expanse of everything, uh, but more to do with like tiny little experiences to help in very specific instances. Uh, so for example, what we're working on today and brainstorming and doing some prototypes is to put someone in virtual reality, but then put them in basically in front of a group of people uh, to one, look them in the eyes, but two, to present to them, but you could actually take away people if it's too much for someone in virtual reality. So you can have one person, two people, 10 people in, uh, in front of a room in virtual reality. You can kind of just push a button and you've got more people. You know, it was quite hard to kind of organize everyone today to come to this session. No, like we were doing a couple of weeks, weren't we, in VR. Push your button, there we go, you've got a stadium full of people. It's yeah, actually looking yeah. in the eye and even you know, most probably notice me not really looking at people in the eye a lot, uh, which I think that is such an easy thing in virtual reality, how an AI character constantly looking at you. Yeah. It's, it's easy and then you just get points or gamification uh, as it's called to say, okay, you look them in the eye for 10 seconds, here's 10 gold stars. So yeah, that's kind of the direction where we want to go uh, just because we've seen there's nothing on the app stores either. There's barely anything on the virtual reality stores, um, and we don't know the reason for this, whether it's a lack of knowledge, but I think a lot of it is the idea of, what's the term, um, application verification, you know, so like, you know, someone can build an app, uh, throw it up onto the app store that helps with depression, okay, that's not been verified by any company, yeah, by any NHS, yeah. uh, regulations, that's what I was searching for. Um, yeah, there's no regulations, so that's why we love being here and working, you know, positive tree supply, well, convenience, gallery, bloom, is because these can verify our app, can kind of give the stamp of approval and say, yeah, this will help this type of person. So that's kind of our new direction, which oh, is pretty good. Yeah. So, so I kind of just rambled and no, <laughs> you go, for it, you go for it, yeah. That's so. really exciting. I mean, I yeah. used the phrase earlier, the future of mental health support. And I think that mm. VR has got to be literally the, yeah. the future, right? Yeah. Well, we, we, we hope so. And the fact that VR headsets are, you know, free on the pound and you don't even need a PC anymore. Yeah, so it's yeah, gone yeah. from three grand to three hundred pound and with what Facebook are doing. I know a lot of people are against Facebook and social media and everything, uh, but in the virtual reality space, they are pushing for more immersive tech. And I think, yeah, doing it properly can be really beneficial to someone. Yeah. Know, take them out of the um, the white wall office and <coughs> put them somewhere else for the day or just even 15 minutes. Mm. So it's proven just to, you know, brighten people's days. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, like it's, it's quite easy to, to bash tech, isn't it? Particularly social media, but mm -hmm. um, I mean, at the end of the day, it ain't going anywhere, right? So we have to find the best way to yeah, yeah. use it for us. Do you know what I mean? And to make it, to make it, to make it work, and to get the positive, uh, 
benefits out of it. Yeah, and I think that's the, uh, you know, you can only do that with having good people around you, you know, good team people, and just uh, just being a nice person, trying to do good. Um, and yeah, and just taking that advice from everyone, which is kind of, yeah, what we want to do. We're having like brainstorming sessions, steering groups, but then actually give it out to the public, see what they say. Yeah, think about the money second. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. yeah, I love that idea of being able to like create those situations to to improve and to practice. You know, because so much, mm-hmm. particularly with things like um, anxiety, right? So there is to some extent, or even um, with mental health, of like uh, like negative thinking and things that you you know say about yourself in your own head. A certain element of that is you almost have to like lean into it and almost prove yourself wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a little bit of that with anxiety. You almost have to like keep pushing because otherwise it's going to keep pushing you all the all the way back. Yeah. But then how do you do that without causing massive breakdowns and panic attacks and stuff? It's such a fine line, isn't it? Definitely. But to be able to create that in a, in a virtual space, that's just like that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely exciting. But I do take on the like comments of where is the line because like what we're really worried about is as you said potentially triggering something mm-hmm. so let's say if we just did the program along the logic behind something and threw them in a stadium full of people okay that's too much too fast potentially so the idea and coming from uh, Annie from Positivity she basically just said give people the control to set their own standards first and I think that's just the main elements of where we want to go so they can customise the levels and you know, the scenes is what they, what they want but it's a mammoth task that we're taking on um, but I think it's a, a good task yeah so. definitely is it a kind of a thing of like you come up with a, an idea or something suggested and you think like right now how do I make that happen in the virtual world that must be a quite a challenge for, your, uh, for yourself uh, yeah I think uh, like we like to use the phrase of fail fast <laughs> prototype something review it if it's absolute crap um, just get rid of it start with someone else but always keep building and I think yeah that's just come from again like Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook they always said fail fast because it's pointless building something that no one's going to use because spend six months building something that no one wants it just wasted six months yeah where we kind of if we build, build something over like six hours or something review it that's where you can go forward with it and just you know get people's opinions. Yeah, so we're currently yeah. building our website to actually take user feedback and build it up from this point of view. Yeah, let's build something that people actually want. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's the people who are going to use it, the people that need it. They know what they need, right? So because exactly. I think again in the mental health space, sometimes that gets um, gets taken away, doesn't it? People are sort of saying, right, this is what you need to get better, and the yeah. individual isn't necessarily like you know, yeah, 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 very, very much so. So yeah, I love the idea of that as well yeah and uh, can you do um something i've read about recently is um vr mindfulness is that something that you've um, kind of aware of yeah so we built the uh, dazzle vr experience uh, which is just vr mindfulness so you've got three different worlds with three different experiences so all about breathing exercises um understanding like you know body scans if you've heard about that you know like kind of thinking throughout your whole body but all we're in like the desert island winter wonderland or out in the middle of space different experiences so i think uh, yeah andy you were uh, you did some voiceovers for you didn't I'm you the voice of space yeah you did a voice of space <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so guided meditation and guided mindfulness and from what i've heard uh well we know it's a success because we've had other charities come to us and say we've seen dazzled we've seen the vr experience we'd like someone to do it you know we'd like it being built for us do you know anyone who does it it was like 
rebuilty. So I think, <laughs> yeah, so our advertisement isn't that good. And we've got people coming for like we built. Uh, but it's just testament to say like you know how good it is. And I think uh, just VR. So like if anyone's listening or anyone who hasn't tried VR in a while or just tried VR on a terrible phone in a Google Cardboard, it's come a long way since then. Yeah. You can track your hands in VR now without any stuff on, like the no controls, track tables, keyboards. So yeah, it's, it's going to be very immersive. Yeah, definitely. So, I, I love the idea about mindfulness because it's such a useful tool and so many people don't want to get involved because of all like the, the spiritual connotations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, you know, to put that in the VR world, then you just kind of just pushing that out the door, really. If you don't want to do that part of it, then you don't need to do that part of it, right? Plug yeah, in and well, that, that's what we're trying to do, is to split everything up, but I definitely get the idea, and I don't know about anyone else around the table, but when I first heard about mindfulness, because I was previously just a senior lecturer at John Moore's teaching games development, so mental health, uh, mindfulness, yoga, all kind of new to me, and I did come with, with a bit of scepticism if that's a technical word of just like oh what's the point of that going for meditation so it's like yeah but it's like oh it does work <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, through the month, like I'm always like reminded but it's like yeah without actually having that experience or yeah because I've always just been oh, I'm not going to do yoga and yeah when I tried yoga for the first time it's like I'm proper out of shape <laughs> like, mentally and physically so yeah yeah but then yeah I think yeah I actually that is the future, but I don't know. Whatever. I think I think the the best thing about Dazzle is we've got when we when we promote mindfulness and meditation a lot to parents that that we support, and we've had a few people say that like they can't visualize. You know, when you do like a guided visualization, like they can't do that. But what that does is it does it for you. So like the the descriptions there, Andy's lovely voice space voice yeah. over, and you can and then he's describing something, and you look up and it's like oh yeah, there's the shooting stars, and it's like it just takes that pressure away from like I'm not doing it right, you know. And it's um, we've had loads of feedback from from parents who've tried have tried it who've said that. So face, yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's awesome. So yeah, so Rachel, tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do with the positivity. So so our um our core offer is for parents and carers who have children and young people with uh, additional needs, and that can range from medical needs, special educational needs, mental health, and I think the the purpose really for us is there's so many amazing things going on with community organisations, charities supporting children and young people. But who's looking out for the parents? Who's checking in that the, these parents and carers who are providing this sort of primary care on you know a twenty four seven basis that they're doing okay themselves? Um, so it comes from from my own personal experience. My son Jack was diagnosed when he was three with a rare cancer, and he relapsed when he was seven. I had to quit my job and and kind of like look after him. And when he was first diagnosed, I think the um, I didn't really notice the, the impact that it had on me from, from a mental health perspective because he was so young and it, it, he didn't understand it. When he relapsed, he was a different person. He was seven, he knew exactly what was going on and he was asking lots of questions, questions I couldn't answer. And he ended up under um, the psychological services team at, at Alder Hay to, to look after him. And I think when I sort of seen those chinks, if you like, in his armour, that's when it started happening for me. And I realised that actually, you know, I needed to make sure that, that I was resilient and that I had uh, the skills to continue to support him, not just because of his medical needs, because of, of, of the needs he had emotionally as well. 
and that's what the positivity aims to do basically create create a peer network of people to support who, who get what it's like to have a child who's got additional needs um, and you know we're very very lucky to be in the space with all of these organizations who are supporting us as well as we develop you know we've been around for only a couple of years um, but you know with, with the support and the partnerships that we've been able to develop you know we're the growth has been unbelievable, particularly since since lockdown, really. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's mm. really cool. There's something that you mentioned then that I find really, really interesting that I like to talk about is that you use the word resilience, mm -hmm. and then you also use the the about having tools, right, to deal what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I think, particularly in the mental health space, the word resilience is so misunderstood mm -hmm. because we tend to when people say resilience, most people think of like like muscling through and powering through things and like yeah. you know that's not what resilience means is it yeah. resilience yeah you mentioned it in terms there of like having the tools to help you get through something yeah. that's the resilience element isn't absolutely it, and knowing knowing that you know it is it is tough and it you are going to have like really shit days and really difficult times but being able to recognize it and um voc like vocalize it i suppose and also to teach your children to be able to do that too. I think that's the key, because you know you've got if you've got um, children who are learning. You know, schools are really getting on board with doing like the mental health mindfulness. Jack, our, our children go to the same school actually. Um, they they do you know after lunch they'll do like a mindfulness session, which is brilliant. But if they're then going home and talking to a parent that's got absolutely no idea or no connection with that space, it's almost wasted because like you said the parents are busy and it's like oh yeah yeah you'll be fine kind of thing but but actually that's a, a missed opportunity we should be teaching it to parents you know we should be encouraging parents to um to participate in, in that kind of activity with the children as well um and that's you know that's what we've done with our children um you know when in the lockdown jack was referred back into psychological services just because it was it was tough it was tough for all kids but we were lucky that we had that direct line into to get him seen by somebody and he had a couple of zoom sessions and um the psychologist was like sort of had a list of her toolkit ready to share with him and as he was she was he was mentioning she was mentioning things to him he was going around his room collecting the things that she was <laughs> listening to because we've done all that kind of stuff but actually some of it is just about having um somebody else to talk to you know when it's your own child and your you're face to face with it it's much more difficult than giving that support or advice to somebody else about their child totally like totally different yeah definitely um you know if you're you're so with jack um the thing that made me kind of realize it was going to be a different kettle of fish when he relapsed was we were sat in the hospital and he got given a little bag of toys from a charity and um in this bag of toys was like was like a card saying like it's from this particular charity in memory of this little girl and uh it was like a light bulb went on in his head and he just looked at me and he went, people die from having cancer. And that was for me the moment when I realised this wasn't just about him following a treatment plan, like medically, this was this was going to be tough for him emotionally as well. And it was just, for me, you know, that was that was the bit where we had to pull all the kind of tools together for, for us as well, you know, as parents to make sure that we were having an outlay because how do you answer that question how do you even approach that yeah, it's just too big, it doesn't it? come it's in just the parent manual big. do you know what it's i mean so so that's what that's kind of what hopefully the the positivity does in the space that we create for, for parents to come and be able to share the stories and the and the challenges with others who've been there who can say i'll oh, we'll try this or you know I've, i get it 
not yeah. even try this just uh, you know being there yeah you're not on your own yeah that's huge just having someone say i get it yeah. that can like you know that's so powerful mm. so so powerful and i also like think about parenting as well we live in this really really weird world where we're all so concerned as parents that anyone's going to think that we're not the most amazing parents that no one ever like drops their guard no one ever says you know what this is really hard okay. or do you know what i didn't do a very good job today mm. you know like, i kind of messed up you know we're, we're scared to say that in case yeah. we get judged but again to have like a room full of people where you can all be like really open and honest and say do you know what i don't know if i said that right and i want to learn what to say when it comes up next time and you know mm. maybe if i can manage my own emotions and feelings then i won't react like that Next, next time, time that comes along yeah. you know. or knowing that, that that it's okay then like you know i i, I often will apologize and, and and say and admit when when i get it wrong with my kids and i just think that that empowers them to be able to do it the other way around and um, we have a group we have a, a regular group here every wednesday and you know most weeks somebody will come in in, in tears sometimes it's just a relief like of coming into a room where it's like sit down have a coffee and they look around and they realise there's like, you know, 12, 15 other people just like them. And the relief just comes out of them and, you know, they're in floods of tears and then they go out laughing and it's, that's, that's it. That's, it. It's just that shared experience and that shared energy, I think, that's, that's crucial. Yeah, something very human about it. Yeah. You know? And sometimes you just have to have a safe space to just put it down for a bit. Yeah. And you can pick it back up, can't you, like yeah. an hour later. But yeah, just to put it down is... Yeah. is massive yeah. yeah there was some um i was looking at your your website rachel and I, I really liked some of the like the the brackets of different things that you do so you talk about community staying active awareness you know self-care and those sorts of things yeah and i was thinking like not only is it vital for these these families to like look after themselves when they are like living and dealing with children with additional needs and stuff like that but it also just applies to life so everybody like everyone yeah. like regardless of what's what's going happen. on because yeah. the extra pressure can come from anywhere can't it it can Absolutely. be a job or a relationship or just a really shitty month you know that's yeah uh, yeah yeah and and you know all the, the kind of themes on the website it's all linked to the five ways to well-being um you know lots of lots of us operate under that we might not call it that we might call it something else but that's the the kind of core um foundations i suppose of what we're built upon um and it you know it might not be all of those things at one time but it's 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 yeah it's just the fundamental bits of life and being you know a member of a community that can that can just make it a little bit easier yeah yeah, yeah. community i talk i use the word community i say it's so i'm blue in the face mm. and it's like it's so 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 important and in modern life it's just lacking communities are getting smaller they're getting more disjointed they're getting more uh, you know taken apart and yeah just to have that that sort of tribe element actually back in your in your life can be massive for, yeah. for mental health and, and for well-being yeah, yeah. and you, you know what you find as well like our our families come and we're there to kind of create facilitate a space for them to meet other people like them and what we're now finding is they're kind of like going off and making their own little like hubs you know whether that's they've got shared interests or the children have got similar diagnosis or what they live in the same area there's loads of different reasons and they're just going off and and, and creating that themselves I know I was listening to your podcast with Jazz from the Chili Dippers and she said the same she's finding that you know people are going off and doing their own little dips and, and that that is the best thing I think and for me a mark of success because we can't like physically work with every single person you know there's nearly 10,000 kids and we're all with a special need or disability so we were working with all 
or 10,000 of them families, you know, we haven't got the resources for that, but if we can give people tools that they can take out and share and set up their own little groups, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. yeah, it's that whole like being the change thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know, you just start the ball rolling, and yeah, then, yeah. And that kind of sounds really, really like cheesy almost, but it is how we make a difference, isn't it? And that's what ultimately what everyone's trying to do is like yeah. make that make that difference, yeah, yeah, inspire other people to, to do it as well, yeah, because yeah, you can't definitely. do it on your own, can you? You know, no, it can't do anything, no. can't do anything on your own, yeah, yeah, very much, yeah. So, um, yeah, Nikki, if we jump over to you, mate. The, um, so it's courses that you deliver, right? In uh, like mental health first aid, is that one of the um, yeah, the, the big yeah, ones? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That that's one of one of the courses that we deliver. Um, and mental health first aid, the I, I suppose why we started to do that is because I think from having lived experience myself and, and Holly Clark, who isn't here at the moment, but uh, she's my partner in, in the business. Um, what we recognised is that both having had very different lived experience of um, mental ill health, me personally and, and Holly affected through the loss of her brother from suicide, um, over the years of kind of living that experience and learning from the people around us, so family members, other colleagues about how it affected them and and their want to step in to support and give that love and compassion and kindness and empathy but feeling quite helpless and hopeless at times because it's not easy to do Um, so mental health first aid is just one piece of the jigsaw for us that can help to enable people to feel confident to know what to do and to not feel helpless when someone is having a panic attack or feeling suicidal or self-injuring, or having a really shit day, yeah, really stressed at the moment, not feeling mentally ill, but I'm really stressed, and I'm on the brink of breaking point, um, and if I don't speak to someone about this and get help, you know, I might become mentally ill. And I think for me over the years, personally, I found it very difficult to open up and say that, because one, because of stigma, two, because of, some of the employers that I've worked for, it's been very difficult to open up without being judged and to feel like the weakest link in a team. And I think that that feeling, you know, Rachel, you, you spoke about, and, and Tom, you did, you know, the fear to speak up about feelings and emotions actually is killing people. And mm. um, people are ending their life because they're not talking. They're not, they're feeling shame and guilt for aspects of themselves that, the mindset, the culture, the way that I think society can sometimes shape people and condition people to feel that way is something that be well learned and want to really unpick and break through. Um, so mental health first aid is just one, you, you know, one aspect of the work that we do um, to you, you know enable us to hopefully chip away at that with these incredible people around this table under this incredible roof of the Bloom Building. Which I said to you before, I have to say, it's the brightest building in Birkenhead. Yeah, very <laughs> so much so. Yeah, because we do a cracking. What is it? Cappuccino, mochaccino, <laughs> anything you want. There you go. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. ask Lee for my check there. For the bistro. Yeah. No, but that's really cool because I love I, with mental health in general, mental health support. We've kind of been forced into a position where we have to be really, really reactive. Yeah. 
but that's not good enough. It's not working, right? So we need to be reactive. So how can we, how can we learn what these things are? And it's again, you talking, and you've kind of touched on it. Then it's like talking about these things when they first start, because that's what all the, even if you go on like. Instagram and people are promoting talking. The yeah. picture is always like someone like with their head in their hands and like the world collapsing. Sure. And you know, yeah, of course, yeah. talk then. But why don't yeah. you talk before it gets to that? How, before how do I talk and how do I listen? What do I say? Who do I say it to? Yeah, yeah, it's a skill, and it's and it's interesting, isn't it, with education? You know, we were taught to speak. We did get taught to read, but how much learning did we do about how to listen? I didn't get taught that in school. Did anyone here? my parents really teach me how to listen don't know taught me how to speak mm. taught me how to read so a, a huge aspect of I think the success in feeling able to not only speak confidently about how we feel and we know that men find that even more difficult than women because three times more men take their lives than, than women and um, so there's there's a there's a, a huge issue there for our male population um, but actually f- from uh, stopping and truly listening to somebody when you ask them how are you when they say I'm oh, fine mm-hmm. and you say how are you really mm-hmm. let's be comfortable with those positive pauses mm-hmm. and let's let's give people the time and space to do that and let's have a have a practice of doing it so there's a lot of work that we do with so many different groups I mean there are so many mental health first aiders around this table you know we do a lot of work with positivity um, who have done many of our training programs help to influence and shape some of your now now courses and development packages that um, that you offer as a service and, and I think, likewise I think that listening thing is, is one of the, the key learnings for me personally out of the training that you've that you've provided Nick because and I say it to all new volunteers who come on board as sort of mentors with us. So we have a similar model to Open Door in terms of like the peer mentor. Um, it, it, I always say if you're talking more than the person who you're in the session with, yeah. then you need to you need to be quiet. It's two yeah. ears and one mouth. You're, you're saying too much. You know, they're they're there for them. Um, and I think that that's something that it is difficult because you do get a bit like oh it's gone quiet. I need yeah. to like fill the gap in. But actually, just by sitting there and squirming a little bit in that yeah. silence that's when the the stuff can really come Absolutely. out well, that's like the oldest trick in the therapist's yeah. book isn't mm. it just like leave you hanging and yeah. then suddenly exactly. you start talking yeah. and you go well I wasn't planning on saying <laughs> that today yeah. or you cry <laughs> or whatever Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's even we're not even in the therapy yet mm. you know we're not with the trained professional yet mm. this is the general public who mm. don't know the tricks yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't know those tricks yeah. it's those it's the butcher baker the candlestick maker that we want to go beyond just that awareness of what we're seeing on social media yeah we know mental health illness exists it's it's you know one of worldwide it, we're, we're in a global crisis with regards to mental ill health and um, there's so much of it around so if, if we can develop and um, encourage people to know that organizations like the positive retreat and the open door charity exist be able to have conversations with people to let them know that they exist Similarly with the activities that you guys do in the gallery and 
thinking about what, what Dave does at Seeing Graph with regard of inclusion of not only accessing that one pathway through the NHS, which is an incredible pathway, and the clinicians at the end of it are superb, there's not many of them, and it takes a long time to get to them. So actually having this alternative approach to actually don't, I, I might not need that clinician, yeah, that psychologist at this point in my journey through my recovery, because I can come here and try a bit of VR mindfulness that I would never have had the opportunity to have done through that pathway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that pathway through the clinical approach is absolutely vital and life-saving for many, but having this kind of alternative approach actually may and definitely does encourage a lot of people who wouldn't come forward and speak up to do it yeah. and gain them, you know, the wonderful services that Ella spoke about with regards to, you know, the therapeutic eight weeks, which again, many people in this room also volunteer and deliver mm -hmm. myself, yeah. um, Rachel, Holly, um, so we also work for the Open Door Charity as well as our own businesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Andy, you mentor as well, have done, haven't you? Yeah. Um, and, and that, delivering that aspect of what is happening under this roof, I think for me, you know, personally has helped me to grow and, you know, forge the relationships with the tenants that has so, been so crucial to not only, I think, be well being inspired to grow, which, which we have, and it's definitely under the influence of the people in this room, um, but to give back, you know, Rachel mentioned five ways to well-being, and I certainly know through my my road to recovery, I'm very well at the moment. Giving has been a huge part of my recovery plan, um, and that is one of the five ways to well-being. I've actually just written them down. You'd be very very pleased to see Rachel. I do remember the five ways to well-being. Active learning, connection, giving, and notice. Yeah. There you go, yeah. I suppose it's like, it's about knowing what to do when you need it. Yeah. Because we kind of think with mental health, everyone seems to think it's either something that will happen to me or it's something yeah. that won't. Mm -hmm. And we know that that's not true. It can happen no. to anyone at Absolutely. any time, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then it's knowing what to do when stuff starts to go wrong. Yeah. So I was having this conversation with someone the other day. A couple of months ago, my daughter fell down the stairs. I knew what to do. You know, the other week when my wife chipped the tooth, yeah. I knew what to do. When I had a like when I had a breakdown and my my life just fell apart, I didn't have a clue what to do. You know? I didn't have a clue at all. And it should be commonplace, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it. And I've reached that point too and it was then really as I overcame that was actually I wanna help people to know what to do. So you, you know, with the help of these two wonderful ladies in front of me here, Charlotte and Kaylee, you know, as as a small but brilliant team, you know, that that's what we get up for every day, isn't it? I'm speaking on behalf of you ladies, but you know It's really interesting talking about the mental health first aid training. I mean, um I've done like um physical first aid training before and done the mental health first aid training and I've used the training on um, the skills that I developed on the mental health first aid training well more times in real life than I ever used like you know doing the Heimlich from maneuver or whatever like yeah. seriously yeah, like yeah. in the in the week after doing it which is which Sweet is why songs. it's so yeah which is why it's so crucial yeah, yeah you know or it just gives you the, the confidence to like you know 
something might get said that previously you would have just like let slip past you but yeah. just thinking that was like a trigger question that's going to make me ask you another question now you know yeah. and you know having the confidence to say you know are you are you considering suicide you know have you have you got plans to to hurt yourself or whatever yeah. that that's what normalizing that yeah that's Absolutely. what that development does yeah because yeah. i think a lot of people don't want to ask yeah because they they don't know what to say when they yes. do and like, yeah, or you know, suicide, the yeah it's suicide a scary word yeah like it sounds scary yeah, yes. when people say it doesn't it yeah. so to hear someone else say it you kind of yeah. have that moment where you go oh crap i'm like what am i going to do like oh, yeah exactly. so have that, that thing yeah. yeah no that's really really important and uh, can we um get into the the convenience gallery a little bit guys as well because i'm kind of going down this rabbit hole at the moment of um creativity in the mental health space and it's something that I always find my podcast they go through phases where things just keep coming up and coming up and um, at the moment it seems to be coming up a lot about creativity and how important it can be to have for, for mental well-being right is that something that you guys see in your your work <laughs> yeah that was Andy me to go uh, <laughs> yeah I think obviously it's been massive I mean like one of the ways we got involved here is I was actually uh, a mem- member. I was men- mentored. I was like came here to get a part of that, and like that was at the start of creating the journey of starting the convenience gallery, which uh, you know there's a passion to like go and follow the dream of like being involved with creativity has probably seen my life change, and then also the way that we've changed that is to go out and do the work that we're doing, work with loads of other artists, work with people in the community, uh, bring people in, and like from that, especially across the last sort of like seven months, I think we've we've like really been enacting like sort of like positive change within the people that, that come and access the stuff that we do. And whether that's like supporting an artist, I mean often artists are treated as se- separate to community in general and treated as these other otherworldly objects that don't deserve support <laughs> and help and uh, anything else. And that's been a core goal that we've been working towards, but then also making sure that like that is then passed on in the work that we do publicly. So obviously existing in this environment has been massively important to us and that's one of the reasons why we why we got involved with this placement was to make sure that the the work that we do is like immediately accessible within a mental health space. It's like totally connected to it. Uh, we've collaborated on projects um, such as like Horizons, which is our uh, community community arts and like bringing contemporary contemporary practitioners from across the northwest into work with young people um, across the community, delivering like either like underrepresented practices, exciting and different kind of like opportunities in art from screen printing to large scale painting to murals to keeps ones. <laughs> circular design and like yeah yeah all that kind of stuff and it's given the people that are attending we've predominantly been working with 14 to 18 year olds on that project but just giving them like ownership as well and letting them use those tools and new skills or whatever it is to just sort of explore themselves and yeah I mean I, I think through that as well we've seen a lot of like I think at, at times our minds are very f- can be very focused on the art um, and especially because we were in lockdown for we weren't able to do any public programming for a while you kind of forget the public interaction element like how how people respond to creativity as a thing because it's meant to what well, it does in, in, in my mind and I'm sure the minds of many of us like spark joy and like create happiness and like create sort of like real memorable moments and like that's something we've seen throughout these projects especially with these young people there's like new friendships new support systems like 
open conversations with us and sometimes like like oh god I didn't know didn't know this was gonna come up today I thought we were gonna do some <laughs> thought we were gonna do some painting. Um, but it's you know it's been I think that, that's been like really interesting and we wanna implement that across sort of everything that we do like in in terms of like public exhibition programming and all, all of that. Like we wanna make sure it's always like participatory, always bringing people in to like get involved with it and trying to create these like little pockets of like community um in in this space outside than others wherever it'll be and that's making sure that like this whenever it's artists and the, and the public and anything like trying to make sure everyone is connected together and uh you know not seeing them as like this is different and not something i can be in, involved with like we want to use like art and the art that we bring in as a vehicle to really like create these like pockets of community and invite everyone in but i'm not sure if i've gone off on a tangent really so. no no not at all not at all that's what we're all about i kind of i love that you mentioned like those those moments of pockets of joy there as well you know and emotions in general so we've talked about how hard it is for people to describe their emotions and even feel their emotions you know things get so yeah. buried and then all this stuff piled on top so we don't have to deal with it to be able to let that out in a way that's not necessarily just talking to be able to express yourself in that way. I think that's hugely powerful. If you struggle to find the words or if you struggle to understand what you're feeling, to be able to just um, create, I think that's gotta be, that's gotta be huge, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's really interesting at the moment seeing the, like the show that we've got on downstairs, which is um, from artists called John Edgley. Um, and it, the whole like initial inception of this project was to like focus on the idea of positivity. But whilst like going through that process and trying to do it, like John himself kind of like went down the path of being like, hang on, it's not, it's not all rainbows and sunshine. It's not all perfect. And we headed into like this idea around toxic positivity and then exploring this sort of like genesis in his thinking um, across the project to what we've got downstairs, which is a kind of like comedic um, and sort of real like experiment uh, exploration of like the idea of like positivity as a whole. And being able to get those things out for people to come in and interact with has been, again, yeah, really interesting. But, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the tracing that you can do interactively yeah, sure, and yeah. get people in to trace his work, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. just structure. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it, isn't it? Like, so you can come and like have that like interaction of joy with the work, but also like be able to like tackle that sort of theme as well in yourself. When, when interacting with it, hopefully, is, yeah. that, that's what's going on. I mean, that's what we'd like to be like to be happening, I think. And just, let, just to let go and have a go, because I think as well, it's so easy to get wrapped up in yourself when yeah. times are hard and you kind of internalize everything and pile it all on. And it can be really hard to like let go of that and just, just to join in. Because you talk about creativity, right? And everyone always thinks like to be creative that it has to be good. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, does it? Yeah. It can be anything. Like it can just be a case of just kind of like letting go, stepping outside yourself and just having a go at something and that can be enough to make a small change in someone's day, I think. I think that's hugely uh, hugely important. Yeah. So we've got I wanna start like wrapping up. I'm very conscious of everyone's everyone's time, but so we're in this in this collective space, in the brightest building in Easily, <laughs> if not on Merseyside, let's face it. Um, but why isn't the the bigger picture of mental health more like collaborative? Where are we going wrong? Because I kind of mentioned this when we were talking before I started recording that we know that services like the NHS, for instance, is it, we know it's incredible, but we know that there's massive shortcomings there. We know there's not enough money, there's not enough staff, and there's all that sort of stuff. But I'm not 100% convinced that if Boris turned around to us tomorrow and gave us a few billion quid to invest into mental health through the NHS, I'm not sure it gets spent on the right stuff. I think we'd see like 
the you know big farmer would get a big bump in profits and I think a lot more people would have a lot more medication but I'm not quite sure more people would be like painting or doing VR mindfulness or any of these sorts of things Mm -hmm. so what you know why do you think there's that reluctance where are we going wrong I know it's a really big question but how can we start to get more people on board with this way of of thinking I don't know if this is for everybody. This is something that I've definitely learned since I've been working under the Bloom roof. Um, but something that I've learned recently from from one of our course instructors, Sue, um, she's she's also a mindfulness instructor and a life coach away from Be Well. That she taught me one of the best things that she ever learned was if you can't, if you're going to talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. And it's a huge thing without even realising I learned when I first started meeting everybody from the Bloom building is that I'm aware of mental health, I've, I've got my lived experience with mental health and anxiety, um, but before I started working here I could talk about it and have my own journey with it and I'd, I'd, I'd speak to my friends about it and sometimes I'd try and give my friends advice. But it wasn't actually anything that I was doing for myself. I'd tell people about this stuff. I'd go for a walk, talk to a friend. But when I was going through these things, I wasn't doing it myself. And when I first started working here, we were doing FICA on a Friday. It's the, the guys that are running Bazaar and, and Electric Islands and, and Colours and all of these amazing projects, they're not just teach, telling people about it and giving people not advice, but not kind of encouraging people to go and do these things, they're actively doing it every day in their jobs. And we are actively doing it under this reef. Every team meeting that we have, we, we practice mindfulness, which I've never done before, and I'm still really funny about, but <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm trying and, and, and I'm taking that advice, that, or I'm taking that encouragement to, if I'm gonna promote it, I need to actively do it. And I think that maybe that's the way forward that, we, we'll talk about it, we'll promote it, we'll share it, but are yeah. we doing it ourselves? Are we doing it at home? Are we yeah. doing it with our children? That's are we it. doing it with our friends? Are we doing it with our colleagues? Are our, our employers doing and, it? And as you like can, employment assistance. Absolutely. Yeah. And it starts with you and it starts with the conversations and yeah, and it starts with thinking, yeah, I've just had that conversation with Nikki. Yeah, Nikki, you're having a bad day today. You've tried going for a walk, have you been out in nature? Actually am I doing that? Mm. Am I doing all these things as well? And, yeah. And yeah yeah. Yeah, that's such a valid point right being the change changing from within and all that sort of stuff I've had two like really really big um, breakdowns and I know for a fact that the second one is because after the first one I told everyone I was sorted and I wasn't you know that's (laughs) because I was saying I knew what I had to say but I I wasn't really I wasn't living it and yeah I love that I think that's really really absolutely and I think yeah absolutely right I've done CBT twice and absolutely the first time I'd done it I finished too early thought that I was absolutely fine and and the second time yeah you start to recognize in yourself and I think it is like looking at yourself and thinking am I am I doing these changes and I think when you see other people actively doing it as well like the people around you practicing it it normalizes it and and, yeah. it, and you start to build that community and changing the culture isn't it and absolutely yeah. speak feel you know and and you can only only do it only do it by doing it right because you can tell people you yeah. tell people and tell people no, no I wouldn't have listened but if you'd have told yeah. me like a couple of years yeah. ago I wouldn't have listened at all yeah. so you have to show show people yeah, yeah I love that and the other I'm just going to touch on this before we go but I was looking on everyone's websites to like make some notes and stuff 
and it was words that were on all these on all the um, everyone's websites in different ways but stuff like community connection awareness and empowerment I saw everywhere and like how important is that as well because there is like you need if people are struggling with their mental health they need support and they need all these things in place but there is a certain amount of element that you have to kind of like what you were just saying Charlotte you have to kind of put in some of your own stuff as well you know and we have become very reliant of just going to the doctor and getting some pills and sitting on a waiting list for 18 months but just because you're on a, a waiting list for 18 months doesn't mean you have to wait 18 months right yeah. you can do something in that time exactly. and still do therapy at the end Absolutely. of the 18 months so I think it's like you know when you have places spaces like this with all this like really inspirational stuff and people who really live it and breathe it all under one roof then it just goes a long way to kind of giving that that power back into people's hands to kind of make a difference right absolutely yeah I can't thank you all enough for your time. I could easily, easily do another hour, but I'm really, really conscious. We'd love to have you for another oh, hour. Oh, mate. I've got, I've got to be at a swimming lesson in about half an hour, so I've got, to, I've got to shoot. But thank you so much for your time, guys. Thanks, and um, yeah, okay. I think it's all brilliant what you're doing. And it's been a real pleasure to kind of have a look behind the scenes and pick your brains and stuff like that. Maybe we'll give it a, give it nine or 12 months and I'll come down and do a follow-up and see where everything's, um, where it's going and, and the difference that you're all making. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been brilliant. Thanks. Thank you for listening from the proper mental podcast. Please like and subscribe. The space time.